This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What do self-awareness, anxiety management, and healthy relationships have in common? They're all things you can learn in therapy, and the list doesn't end there. See what therapy can do for you at betterhelp.com super. What if Neville Longbottom was the chosen one instead of Harry Potter? Hey brother, last week we began our journey down one of the most requested what ifs in the entire wizarding world. What if Voldemort had internalized the prophecy just a little bit differently and decided that Neville was his true enemy instead of Harry. Last week we covered a lot of the groundwork for this theory, but as a brief reminder, Neville's lead up to the journey to Hogwarts is quite different from Harry's. Because in this version of events, Voldemort actually follows his own creed of pure blood superiority, he selects Neville instead of Harry. Because of course Neville is a pure blood while Harry is a half blood. And just like the Potters, the Longbottoms were were protected by the Fidelius charm, but unlike the Potters, they selected Dumbledore as their secret keeper, and since there was no way he was giving them up, they have been able to remain safe the entire time. Which is great for Neville and his family safety-wise, but it also means Neville has been horribly isolated from the rest of the world for his entire life. Speaking of the Potters though, Wormtail still gives them up and so they are still attacked. James still dies while Lily is tortured to insanity by Bellatrix, leaving Harry to be raised by his godfather. Serious Black. But unable to locate the chosen one of the prophecy, Voldemort decides to create a false calm in the Wizarding War and halts all Death Eater activity for 10 years, hoping to create a false sense of security and lure Neville out of hiding when he's finally old enough to attend Hogwarts. And today, that's where we're headed. Year one at Hogwarts. How will Voldemort try to attack Neville after all of these years? Is Quirrell still a bad guy? And what is 11-year-old Harry Potter like when he's raised by Sirius Black instead of the Dursleys? Today, we find out what if Neville was the chosen one in his first year at Hogwarts. Okay, so what's actually kind of interesting about this setup so far is that while Neville is preparing to go to school, Voldemort has actually yet to mark either Neville or Harry as the chosen one. Largely because he just hasn't had access to them. Although, to be fair, it doesn't really matter whether or not he ever sees Harry because Voldemort has already predetermined himself that Neville is the dangerous one. Regardless though, the prophecy has destined him to mark one of them as the chosen one. And the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. Now, unfortunately for Voldemort, that's the part of the prophecy he didn't hear, so he doesn't know that in attacking Neville, he will mark him as his equal. But I think it's also equally worth noting that Voldemort has already decided which one of them is his equal. Which is important because as we all know, prophecies only hold as much weight as the person who's putting stock in them. And Voldemort does hard. Anyway, let's get to it. After a decade of calm in the wizarding world, most people have returned to what might be considered normal life. Because while nobody knows for sure what happened to Voldemort, everyone wants to believe he's gone, and it largely appears that he is, with no dark activity happening for 10 years. But as you might expect, the wizarding community begins coming up with their own theories for what might have happened to him, partly out of curiosity, but partly also just to 
reassure themselves that he's really gone and not coming back. And the last big well-known attack was on the Potters, so that's where most people start with their theories. Lily Potter survived the encounter but was horribly damaged, but baby Harry remained completely unharmed. Why? Was there something special about him? Could something about him have repelled the Dark Lord? Could he have somehow sapped him of his powers? And look, I know we all know that Bellatrix is the one who attacked, but these are the kind of details that the rest of the communities just have to fill in by themselves. That is by far the most prevailing theory, which once again actually gives Harry a certain amount of fame, but it's not the only possibility for what happened to Voldemort. Others begin to theorize about the lost Longbottom. After Voldemort's disappearance, many families came out of hiding, but nobody ever saw or heard from the very popular and powerful Longbottoms ever again. Could their disappearance have been linked to Voldemort's? It was known that they were about to have a son as well, and as the theories begin to intermingle, people begin to wonder, could their son have been responsible for the fall of Voldemort? And where is he now? Well, I'll tell you where young Neville Longbottom has been. The same place he's been for the last 11 years. At home with his parents. Now, this time around, Neville has for sure had a way more desirable upbringing in that his parents are alive and well and able to care for him and provide for him. And yet, for reasons they've never been able to fully explain to him, they've never been able to leave the property. Despite the calm in the war, Dumbledore insists upon their safety and that Voldemort is still out there and very much a threat. And now you might think that during that time, his parents or Dumbledore would have told Neville about why they're hiding away or what his potential role in the wizarding world might be, but I kinda doubt it. Because we already know from the main story that Dumbledore is extremely hesitant to tell Harry this exact information, favoring instead the idea that Harry should be allowed to experience a normal childhood away from that enormous burden. Of course, in Harry's case, a normal childhood means growing up in an abusive family, so. Not great. Either way, Dumbledore abstains from telling Harry the truth that he is the chosen one, even after Harry faces down Voldemort in his first year, his second year, and his fourth year when Voldemort has returned. So yeah, no, Neville definitely has no idea that he personally might be important, just that his family might be in danger. But of course, as we all know, there's no place safer than Hogwarts, so Neville is still going to school. Which again, even in the main story, after Voldemort returns, Harry is still allowed to attend Hogwarts, even though he would be 100% safe at the Dursleys. So yes, Neville's Hogwarts letter still arrives, but not by Owl. It has to be hand-delivered by Dumbledore because he's the secret keeper and the only one who knows the location. So he has to hand-deliver it to him. He invites Neville personally to attend the school and informs him that he shall return the following day to escort him from the home to meet up with Rubeus Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts, and he will take him to get all of his school supplies. And you might wonder, uh, why wouldn't Neville's parents just take him? And the answer is because people might recognize them. Whereas Neville, on the other hand, nobody has ever seen at all, so there's no way they can recognize him. At least not yet. Obviously, once he's at school, people will be able to recognize him, but in this case, they're able to take advantage of this precaution one last time. Plus, this immediately gives Neville a friend and an adult that he can trust at Hogwarts, which after being isolated away from the entire world for his entire life is something Neville probably desperately needs. 
So the following day, they set out for Diagon Alley, and Neville, as you might expect, is astounded by all the sights and sound of the wizarding world. Sights and sound? Sound singular. In a weird way, Neville has actually been more isolated than Harry was at the Dursleys. Like, yes, the Dursleys mistreated him a lot, but Harry still went to school, interacted with other kids, he even got to go to the zoo that one time. Neville, on the other hand, has almost no social interaction with anyone outside of his parents, so he's understandably shy, but takes the Hagrid immediately, because who wouldn't? I shouldn't have told you that. Exactly. They go about buying all of Neville's various school supplies until the final item on his list, a wand. The one thing Neville is the most excited about. He's seen his parents use them his entire life. He's even held them a few times, but now he's going to get his very own. And as usual, Hagrid drops him off at Ollivander's all by himself while he goes to get Neville a birthday present. And if you think, wow, what a coincidence. Uh, no, remember, part of what makes Neville a candidate to be the chosen one is that the prophecy specifically mentions the boy has to be born as the seventh month dies. So it is still his birthday and uh, he definitely deserves a gift. Also, as usual, Mr. Ollivander is just a little too upfront. Mr. Longbottom, I wondered if I might be seeing you this year. Many rumors have circulated about your family but I am glad to see the lost Longbottoms have returned. You know who I am, responds Neville, who had uniquely never been recognized by another person in his entire life. Must be a really weird experience as an 11-year-old. Well, with the resume you're rumored to have, Word does tend to get around. Neville looks confused, but hardly has any time to respond because Ollivander swiftly begins measuring every single part of his body and whisking wands from the shelves. Now, let's see. Your father, powerful aura, favored an ash wand, he says, handing Neville a beige wand. Give it a flick. Neville flicks the wand and rather lamely, literally nothing happens and an absolute drop of dread sinks into Neville's stomach. Was it all a mistake? Was he not actually magical? Would he be told he had to stay back at home with his parents forever? Not to worry, says Ollivander, snatching the wand away and replacing it with a beechwood wand. Neville again flicks the wand and again, nothing happens. Doubt continues to spread through Neville, but Ollivander looks unconcerned at all. Tricky customer, tricky customer, exclaims Ollivander, whose reaction couldn't be more opposite than Neville's. And indeed, 10 wands later, Ollivander looks absolutely bursting with excitement as he cautiously removes a dusty wand box from the shelves. Neville, on the other hand, is looking absolutely dejected, having produced little more than a single spark from the end of what he was told was an elder wood wand. Reaching forward, Neville removes the next wand from the box, and almost the moment he touches it, the room seems seems to fade out entirely. Red sparks fly from the end. Neville was confused, but also elated. He knew it was right. He had absolutely found the correct wand. Curious. What's curious? Well, Mr. Longbottom, the phoenix that gave the core inside that wand gave another, just one other. It is curious that you should be destined for this wand when for your whole life you've been hiding from its brother. Before Neville could ask what this meant though, he heard a knock at the window and turned to see Hagrid had returned and was holding up a beautiful snowy white owl. To round off the day, Hagrid brought Neville and his brand new owl, Trevor, that's T-R-E-V-A, a name that just seemed to call to him, to the Leaky Cauldron for some dinner, where Neville was finally able to ask Hagrid something that had been bothering him since they left Ollivander's. People seem to know who I am, Hagrid. 
Why is that? Well, many years ago, there was a dark wizard, and your parents were amongst the few brave enough to stand up to him. I'm always afraid I'm going a little pirate when I do Hagrid. But we've never left our home. How could that be? Well, he's the reason you've never left home, Neville. Word got round he was hunting down your family. Don't ask me, I don't know why. But Dumbledore knew it was important to protect you. So we did. Yarr. Is he still out there? Well, that's the mystery. After you went into hiding, he just disappeared. One of your classmates, Harry, his family was attacked too. His father died and his mother, well, it's not my place to say, but after that, he was gone. Who is he, Hagrid? Looking uncomfortable, Hagrid takes a moment before lowering his voice. Now he be called Voldemort Neville. I'm sorry, I can't not do it. Most seem to think he's gone, think maybe you or Harry had something to do with it, but Dumbledore thinks he's still out there somewhere, biding his time, but no need to worry, Neville. Take no place safer than Hogwarts, not one. After his day with Hagrid, Neville returns home to his parents, whom he asks similar questions to, but who he doesn't get any new information Hagrid didn't already give him. Just that Dumbledore thought they were in danger and that they still might be, so they've remained hidden to keep him safe. And as the final weeks of summer pass, Neville finds that any concerns he had about Voldemort seem to fade away as he's just so excited to be going to school. His father shows him some proper wand grips and Neville really enjoys the companionship of of Trevor, his brand new owl, and it's not long at all before Dumbledore arrives again to escort him to meet Hagrid, who will take him to King's Cross, and then on to Hogwarts. Neville makes it through the platform and successfully boards the train and begins looking for an empty compartment before finally finding one with a single boy inside. The boy has slick-backed blonde hair and an unusual glint in his eye, but allows Neville to join him in the compartment. I don't recognize you. Muggle-born, then, says the boy in a superior tone. Uh, no. Both my parents were wizards. My name's Neville. Neville Longbottom. At the sound of his name, the boy's eyes light up, and he seems to really take in Neville fully for the first time. It's true, then. The lost Longbottoms have returned at last. I'm Malfoy. Draco Malfoy he says, extending a hand. Neville accepts the handshake, but only warily, and rather than making eye contact, focuses on the black book held in the boy's other hand. And then, as their hands meet, Neville's whole body is filled with a horrible sinking sensation. Neville reflexively pulls his hand back, leaving Draco looking horribly offended. Something wrong? he asks. Sorry, just felt a little sick, said Neville evasively, feeling that his first interaction with another boy his age is going horribly wrong. Draco still looks angry, but appears to rally and tries again. Any idea what house you'll be in, Longbottom? My entire family's been in Slytherin, but can you imagine being in Hufflepuff? Father says it's a miracle anyone in that house can even perform basic magic. Neville, of course, has no idea what houses are or what Draco's talking about at all, but does quickly remember his trip to Ollivander's, where he could barely make anything happen when he was holding the wands. At the time, getting his wand had felt so exciting, so perfect, but now that he thought about it, had he really done anything other than stand there? As he pondered this, he suddenly realized too much time had passed since Draco had asked the question. Well, asked Draco again, sounding much harsher than before. But before Neville can answer, the door to the compartment swung open. Neville looked up and saw a boy with black, messy hair, round glasses, and what Neville decided was cool but casual clothing. He held a large toad under one arm. All right, now we need to take a quick pause to thank today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Question for you, how much time do you spend on yourself each week? And I don't mean working or chores, I mean taking time to reflect on how you've been feeling. And for the majority of us, the answer is probably not much. We often get just so caught up in what everyone else needs from us that we forget to focus on 
us. I mean, personally, between just going to work, being a parent, husband, brother, which apparently I'm quite super at, I get lost and often don't take the time required to take care of myself. But that is where therapy comes in clutch because it's just dedicated time to self-care and reflection, which is something we all need. It is way too beneficial to just not do. And if you're like me, before I ever went to therapy, it was something I waffled on a lot. Like, I should go, do I wanna go? Yeah, yes, you do. Just, just go for it, go for it. In fact, this is one of the things I like about BetterHelp is that it's very low barrier to entry. It's all online, meaning it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your needs and schedule. And it's super easy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire so they can match you with a therapist. And if you don't like them, you can switch to a different therapist at no additional charge. So find more balance, help yourself, head over to betterhelp.com super to get 10% off your first month. One more time, that is betterhelp.com slash super for 10% off your first month. Link is in the description down below. The boys seem to take in the entire scene in an instant. Thought I heard a snake. Get lost, Malfoy, leave this boy alone. Oh, hello, Potter, responded Malfoy with loathing in his eyes. Nice toad. Her name's Hedwig, said the boy, holding up the large toad. Want to see what she can do? But before Malfoy could respond, the boy pressed a small spot on the toad's back and a bright white light filled the entire compartment. I'm blind, I'm blind, yelled Malfoy, who had indeed covered his eyes and stumbled his way out of the compartment. Neville was rubbing his eyes as well, but whatever flash the toad had made had been partially obstructed in his direction, and so he'd been saved from most of the effects. Sorry about him. He's headed to Slytherin for sure, said the boy, now occupied the seat across from Neville. He looked to be the same age as Neville, but somehow carried himself as if he spent every single day on the train. Hedwig the Toad croaked. What is Slytherin? said Neville, most of his vision finally returning. Schoolhouse, said the boy. There's four. Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. He seemed to say the last one with disgust. Is there something wrong with Hufflepuff? asked Neville, remembering what Malfoy had said. What? No, of course not. Better than Slytherin, anyway. As for me, my godfather says I'm a shoo-in for Gryffindor. Where dwell the brave at heart? He seemed to be quoting someone as he said this. I'm Harry, by the way. Harry Potter. Immediately, Neville recognized the name. That was the boy Hagrid had told him about. And his parents. Sensing he shouldn't ask about that, Neville responded with his own name instead. I'm Neville. Neville Longbottom. I've heard of you. You're the lost Longbottom. Feeling oddly relieved that this cool boy had recognized him, Neville felt his confidence swell. And I've heard of you. Hagrid told me about you. Aren't you supposed to have defeated Voldemort or something? Harry gasped at hearing Neville say Voldemort's name, but looked impressed. I was going to ask you the same thing. Apparently, we were quite the formidable babies, if you believe the rumors. And suddenly, both boys burst out laughing at the complete absurdity of the idea. Over the next hour, Neville enjoyed talking to Harry and learning about the wizarding world. He told him how he'd been raised by his godfather and how you're not supposed to say the name Voldemort, but that he usually does anyway. After a while, a knock at the door marked the arrival of a trolley witch who was selling candy and treats. Neville barely even had a moment to start deciding what he might want from the cart when Harry jumped in and said, We'll take the lot. Neville had of course experienced some wizard and candy growing up at home, but supplies of sweets were thin when nobody knew where you were. Especially when Dumbledore's the one bringing you candy, like it's all cockroach clusters and lemon drops, and that's muggle candy, I mean, come on. These aren't real frogs, are they? He said, examining a pack of chocolate frogs. Nah, just chocolate, but it's really about the cards. Who've you got there? Neville looked down and saw the friendly face of a portly witch smiling up at him in yellow robes. Helga Hufflepuff, he read aloud. Ooh, good one. Let's see, I've got Gryffindor. Here, you can have it. I've got a bunch of both of them. Speaking of frogs, my godfather gave me a spell to turn Hedwig here yellow. Wanna see? 
Mind you, she's actually a toad. Yeah, said Neville, who was eager to see more magic. Harry pulled out his wand, pointed at Hedwig, and said, Golden hues I do decree, turn this toad from green to glee, with magic's touch its color shift, from emerald shade to golden rift. And suddenly, the once dark green toad gleamed in the sunlight. Not just yellow, but gold. Which, by the way, if you guys want to send in artwork of Hedwig the Golden Toad, please do. I would absolutely love to see it. You can do so at secretcarlinbrothers at gmail.com. There's a link in the description down below. I promise you we will feature them in the next video. Just then, a boy with a violent shade of red hair peeked his head around the corner and said, Wicked. We'll be arriving soon. I'd best get changed if I were you. Despite how the trip had started, Neville couldn't remember ever feeling happier. He had made his first friend. As they drew closer to the castle, it was time to reload their trunks. Is this yours? Asked Harry, lobbing sweets into his bag, but just then Trevor let out a hoot and Neville reclasped the seal on her cage. Amidst the chaos, Neville, Harry, and the other first years made their way towards the boats for their first journey across the lake to Hogwarts. It is magnificent. Upon arriving at the castle, they are informed about how the sorting is going to work, and Neville is once again filled with worry that he is doomed for Hufflepuff. He awaits anxiously as student after student is sorted into one of the four houses until it is his turn. Hmm, said the small voice in his ear. Difficult, very difficult. Loyalty, patience, and friendship, oh yes. But courage, so much courage, should you allow yourself to find it. Neville's mind spins with thoughts of Harry on the train, his confidence, his swagger, his ease. Surely Harry was meant for Gryffindor, but not him, not Neville, not the boy who couldn't even produce a spark with a wand. Surely he was meant for the talentless Hufflepuff, like Malfoy had said. What's this? Hufflepuff, eh? Hufflepuff is a great house, and you would excel there for sure, but I've never been wrong before. Gryffindor! Neville could hardly believe it. He'd even taken two steps towards the Hufflepuff table before realizing that all the cheers, led by some red-headed twins, were coming from the Gryffindor table. I like to imagine that as he's sitting down, he catches Harry's eye, and Harry's all like, finger guns! And the rest of the ceremony goes about how you'd expect. Malfoy is swiftly sorted into Slytherin, and Harry is swiftly sorted into Gryffindor almost as fast as Malfoy, while the rest of the Gryffindor class is as usual. And Neville's first week of classes go pretty well. It turns out he's not nearly as far behind as he initially thought he might be, except for maybe Harry and some other girl named Hermione Granger, both of whom seem to excel at whatever tasks their teachers gave them. Harry and Hermione both seem to take classes very seriously. Hermione asked almost non-stop questions, while Neville noticed Harry took copious notes in a small black notebook he carried from class to class. The only class that seemed there was any trouble was potions, where for some reason the potions master, Professor Snape, seemed to have it absolutely out for Harry. Neville thought Harry's forgetfulness potion looked as cloudy and green as Hermione's, just like Snape said it should look, but for some reason Snape had declared it a complete disaster. For his part, Harry seemed completely unfazed by this as he ran his hands through his hair. Flying lessons this afternoon? Before flying lessons, however, it was lunch, where to his own surprise, Neville looked up to see Trevor carrying a small brown package to him. It's from my gran, he exclaimed. Neville had never met his grandmother before, but his parents went on and on about her, about how proud she was of him and how she knew he would be a great or just like his father. It's a remember all, he said, reading the note. 
so you always remember who the true enemy is. The true enemy, he said aloud, I wonder who that means. Probably Malfoy, said Harry through a mouthful of baked potatoes. Come on, eat up. You'll need your strength for flying. Neville had never flown a broom before, but Harry assured him there was nothing to it. And sure enough, moments into their first flying lesson, it was obvious that Harry was a natural on a broomstick. Neville didn't take to the broom nearly as easily, but after a few attempts and some helpful tips from his friend, he found he was steadily cruising around the pitch. Until Malfoy swerved in front of him, causing him to swing off the side of his broom and dangle up down. Neville managed to swing himself back on top of the broom, but in the commotion had dropped his Remembrol, which Malfoy was quick to swoop in and grab. To Neville's surprise, he noticed the small ball immediately fill with red smoke in Malfoy's hand. Forget something, Malfoy, he shouts. More like misplaced, he says, grinning at the ball and then back at Neville. From there, Harry steps in and him and Draco have their usual face-off, complete with throwing the Remembrol, Harry's diving catch, and McGonagall's immediate appointment of Harry as seeker to the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Afterwards, Harry catches back up with Neville and as he's explaining how he didn't get expelled and did make the Quidditch team, the two run once more into Malfoy. You look a lot braver now that you're back on the ground and got your goons with you, said Neville, notioning to Crab and Goyle. Ha! Strong words coming from the boy who always has Potter fight his battles for him. What do you say to a wizard's duel? Me and you, tonight. Midnight. He's in, interrupts Harry before Neville can respond. I'm his second. Who's yours? Neville couldn't help but feel that in this moment, Harry was maybe proving Malfoy's point, but also felt so grateful to have a friend that would always have his back. Crab, sneered Draco as the trio sulked off. How are we going to get out of the castle in the middle of the night? Neville asked with fear written all over his face. Harry just grinned. Later that night in the dormitory, Harry reveals that his father left him something very special they could use to sneak about the castle. A cloak of invisibility. The plan was simple. The two would wait until everyone else in the dormitory had gone to sleep. Then they would sneak out under the invisibility cloak. My body's gone! It wasn't long, however, before Neville and Harry realized that Malfoy had set them up. It was well past midnight and Malfoy was nowhere to be seen. They had just decided to head back to the common room when they heard a noise. I'll check it out, whispered Harry, slipping out from under the cloak, leaving Neville fully hidden. But the moment Harry rounded the corner, he found himself face to face with none other than Mrs. Norris. Run, he whispers to Neville. Neville paused for a moment, but realizing there was nothing he could do, began booking it back towards Gryffindor Tower. Neville didn't see Harry again until the following morning, when he plopped down next to him at breakfast, looking as cheery as ever. Detention, he announced without an ounce of regret. Apparently, I get to spend Halloween in the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid. Cool, huh? Neville personally did not think this had sounded great. He had been down to visit Hagrid just once since the school year had started, and while he had enjoyed himself, he also found the sight of the monstrous three-headed dog outside of Hagrid's hut that he affectionately called Fluffy to be quite terrifying. Despite Harry's seemingly unfazed mood, he spent the rest of the morning reviewing notes before heading off to Quidditch practice. And with the midnight duel behind them, the next few weeks proceeded without any incident. Neville began to settle into his class schedule and even discovered he had a knack for herbology. It wasn't long at all before the Halloween feast was upon them and Neville couldn't be more excited. Their coursework had picked up considerably and between that and Quidditch practice, Neville felt he had been seeing less and less of his new best friend. But even without Harry there, the feast was amazing. Neville sat with the other boys in his year, Ron, Dean, and Seamus, who all spoke excitedly about the first Quidditch match of the year coming up. 
Gryffindor versus Slytherin. Neville had hoped that Harry would be able to join the feast before it ended, but whatever he was doing in the forest with Hagrid must have taken longer than expected because Harry never showed up. He was just looking at the empty space next to him when the doors to the Great Hall burst open and the caretaker, Mr. Filch, came running down the center aisle. Murder! Murder! He shouted. Almost at once, chaos seemed to spread throughout the Great Hall, but Dumbledore stood and called for order. The Great Hall goes calm and Dumbledore instructs all of the prefects to escort the students back to their dormitories. Gryffindors, keep up, please, and stay alert! But as the students exit the Great Hall, there was simply no hiding what Filch had seen. The soaked floors marked the reflection of the words. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air, beware. And I think that is where we are going to call it for today. Because I'll be honest with you, we wrote another like six pages and we were still not even at Christmas, so. But don't you worry guys, we will be back with part three. This story is just heating up. Also, just another reminder, if you'd like to create any artwork of Hedwig the Golden Toad, I would love to see them. You can email them to secretcarlinbrothers at gmail.com. There's a link in the description down below. I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see what we come up with. Also a friendly reminder that our Super Carlin Brothers virtual race, Miles managed a virtual walk from platform to castle is starting tomorrow on June 1st. If you want to join, you can uh, find all the information you need in the description down below. And even though it starts on June 1st, you can join at any point over the next two months. So uh, if it's still June or July, feel free to uh, join up and have some fun with us. But guys, thanks so much for watching today's video. Make sure you subscribe and click that bell so you don't miss any future installments of What If Neville Was The Chosen One. If you'd like to see What If Harry Was In Slytherin, you can check out this video right here. Or if you're watching this um, in real time, this link right here will eventually be part three. But right now it's just a, a video that you can watch also on the channel. I don't know what YouTube decided it's going to be, but eventually it, it will be part three. So you can just click right through to that. But Ben, that's all for me. Until next time, I will see you in another life, brother.